Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week on the podcast, my guest is Winter Brooke. Winter is a California girl living in Nashville, Tennessee. She's a certified Christian life coach, mentor, auntie, and chips and queso lover, who's 15 plus years serving in pastoral ministries, turned entrepreneur, helped to disciple her in her walk with Jesus. She helps aspiring women practically and authentically learn to break through in their faith, renew their mindset, and heal their hearts so that they can grow into their true identity and their purpose and calling in Christ. To be fully alive with clarity, confidence, and peace in every area of your life is not just her passion, but also the desire of God for you. So, without further ado, here's the interview that I did with Winter Brooke. Hello, Winter. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. I am super excited to talk to you. Me too. Super honored to be here. So I do have a question to ask you. My first question is, what was your childhood like? My childhood uh, was fun. (laughs) I was always outside. Uh, We went to church on Sundays. And I had, I had a dad who worked long hours. And so I was raised by the mom in the home um, until my parents separated when I was around 11 or 12. And then okay. things changed very quickly. Okay. How did things change for you when you were, once they separated? My mom threw us in church. Uh, okay. We had been not super active, um, mm-hmm. but when my dad moved out, we were at church when the doors were open. Right. So all of a sudden, all of our hardship within our family and the relationship relationships within our family just changed. Um, and so it was a big adjustment, obviously, having a parent leave the home and your parents separated, right. being at such a young age. Um, and so, yeah, so we were really at the mercy of the church. I get that. I totally get that. I know when I was around 11, my parents also separated. And so it is a whole yeah. different thing that happened and once again we were also in church a lot so I totally get where you're coming from and that whole dynamic because yeah that's Mm -hmm. what happened to me too yes so during that time especially like when you were younger up until the time you were in church all the time was there something about God that really resonated with you that you thought about that impacted you during that time I don't think I had ever prayed as much in my life until my parents separated 
Um, I came to know the Lord at the age of eight after seeing him move in a friendship with a, a little girlfriend of mine in the neighborhood and knew that he was real. Right. So when my parents separated and we were at the mercy of the church, my heart's cry though is to see my parents reconciled and to see them come back obviously into union because many, many years ago, divorce wasn't as rampant as it is now. All your friends' parents are married. There's, you know, two parents in the home. And so it was really my heart's cry to see them get back together. And so my prayer life and my, my desperation for God to move and to heal my parents' marriage was at an all-time high and waiting on the Lord and and navigating um, the potential of us moving out of state so that they could be reconciled because my dad had moved um, out of state for a job and we were left in the state that we were in. So that dynamic was hard in itself, being separated, not just, you know, emotionally, mentally, and all those things, but also physically. So there was so much ambiguity in in those, uh, you know, two or three years of whether or not they were going to get back together and whether or not we were going to move. So that was a really big challenge for me to grow pretty quickly um, in my own personal growth, but also in my relationship with with God to trust him, to trust that he was going to be who he said he was going to be and to care for us and to navigate um, loss, really. Yeah. So it seemed like this situation brought you kind of closer to God instead of taking you further away from him. I didn't know anything else, to be honest. It was hard to know where to turn. Um, right. Things were pretty tumultuous at home during that season as well. And then having you know, my father not in the home who I was close to um, really, I think, tested all of our faith and, and really brought to the surface sort of, you know, the the, the debris, right? As, as gold right. is refined, the dross kind of comes to the top. And that's really what that season produced. And um, so I really kind of, like I said, we threw ourselves at the mercy of the church, but so did I. Mm-hmm. I started singing in church. I started serving in kids ministry, even at 10, 11, and 12 until I hit high school and then became a leader. And so I think really the the formation and foundation of my relationship with Jesus um, was really paramount in that season. Um, and, and really it's, you know, my grandparents on my dad's side were really strong believers. I have histories of preachers and, you know, Pentecostal leaders in my history. And I, I really think, you know, we really see the fruit of the seed of generations prior to us um, come to harvest, mm-hmm. you know, even decades later. And I really believe that, you know, for, for me personally, I can see the fruit of some of those prayers of my grandmother and my great grandmother yeah. and so on and so forth starting to be lived out as I came into to reality and acknowledgement of, of my own faith. And I couldn't lean on my parents in that season right. to form who and what it was that I was going to believe. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really what that season was about was, you know, I have a, I have a brother who went the other direction mm-hmm. and I went towards God and I, I can't really tell you maybe right off the cuff why that was, but for me, it was getting involved and, in, and, in, and in consistently being involved in church um, from then on, from then on out. 
That's good. I noticed that you mentioned a lot of, a couple of times that you were at the mercy of the church. Expand upon that. What do you mean when you say that? Yeah. Well, my mom, you know, was a homemaker. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't have a job or income. She was also, you know, emotionally distraught when my dad left. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were basically the, the, the suddenly abandoned woman who had two children. Right. And there were times where money was scarce and money was limited. And, um, you know, we grew up in a, in a pretty wealthy community. So, you know, when the car broke down, we were at the mercy of the church to help us figure out how to get it fixed when we right. were, you know, strapped for, for money for meals and, and dinners. And those, we were kind of at the, at the mercy of the church or charity sometimes to, um, to give us meals and to give us money for food. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the reality of those years was yeah. really relying on the church to be who they said they were going to be both, um, you know, practically in the physical sense, but also really helping to counsel my mom through those challenges. Okay. So for you, it was a good thing. The church helped you go through these things and navigate through some of those things. And I love to hear that because I know a lot of times people have different experiences, but I think it's good Mm -hmm. because that's what the church is supposed to do. They're supposed to help people. They're supposed to take care of people, counsel people. And so I'm glad to hear that's what happened during that time when you guys were going through this stuff did they ever get back together they did not they ended up divorcing okay yeah about three or four years later um he had already moved out of state for another job and like I said earlier we were we were going to be sent for so we were kind of in limbo waiting to move and it never happened and I you know I yeah so about three or four years later they went through with a, a final divorce okay and during that time, that was when you probably were like in high school, right? Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was about 15 when the divorce was finalized. So how did that affect you? Did Because I know you said you were closer to God during that time. Is that yeah. where you got closer to him still? Or like what happened during that time? What were you thinking? Around the divorce time? Yeah. I think I think really in my, in my heart, I think I had already grieved the... Okay brokenness of the marriage you know Mm -hmm. at that point it had been three or four years since he had moved out it had been a couple years since he had moved out of state my dad and I think at that point I had really grieved the loss of the marriage you know we had found a new rhythm Um, I was I was ready to either move or be settled where we were Um, and at that point you know we had changed churches so we were at a a brand new church and I had gotten involved with the youth group um, through worship and small groups. I had gone on my first missions trip as a freshman, you know, and I think all of those things really started to um, ignite something within me. See, having a youth pastor and youth leaders who um, really helped shepherd me during, Mm -hmm. you know, those, those years um, was pivotal. I didn't, have that type of intimacy relationally at my old church so this new church and this new season of of finding friends and people who are walking with the lord and leaders and mentors and and community you know that really got to know me um which my brother and my mom stopped going 
So I continued to go because of my involvement with the youth mm-hmm. and my relationships that had started. So I think that was a key, key component in helping to drive forward my relationship with the Lord um, was that that safety net of community and that safety net of relationships and people who knew, you know, things that were going on um, inside our family dynamic and who were able to be trustworthy and really walk with me, you know, through that um, and, and really call forth some things, you know, I think there are things that were planted and called forth in that season that I'm starting to see the fruit of now as an adult. So I'm super grateful for that community and, and those leaders. I'm still in relationship with them, um, awesome. you know, and found it really valuable in forming a foundation in my relationship with God. That is amazing because I know that sometimes when you do go to a church and there's a youth pastor or there's more youth, it's kind of yeah. helps you feel closer to God because then you don't really feel like, oh, I'm alone. It's just me and everyone right. else is older. And they kind of are more on your level. So I think that is amazing. And you mm-hmm. mentioned that it helped you bring forth some things. Like what did it help ignite in you? What did it help bring forth that you're starting to see? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think a few of those things were just sort of my calling and purpose and, and my my heart for ministry and, and the church. Um, and I think my heart for spiritual family. Yeah, I think that's a a topic that we don't talk a lot about or know a lot about, especially today. And, and especially in in our, in a Western culture, like the United States is, you know, church is um, sort of a social club in a lot of ways. And we avoid going deep with people and walking with people through hardships and sufferings. And um, I have had a very opposite experience, you know, in, in a couple of different communities and, um, I think that was really something that was birthed and formed during those years, um, right around my parents divorcing. And to be honest, I don't, I don't really know if, had they not gone through that divorce, if I would have found that, yeah. you know, we were at the, like I said, we, we kind of threw ourselves in church when my dad left. And at that point we were kind of, you know, Sunday pew attenders. That was about it. So um, I think some of that, some of that purpose and that calling and that identity and that, that sense of belonging was really established in me during, you know, one of the most difficult times of my life was when my parents divorced at 15. And I think the church has an opportunity to really help navigate that for the next generation if they really lean in and learn how to apply it now. Yeah, because I do agree with what you're saying. I know that recently churches have not typically been a place where people felt like they could go to be safe or get the help that they need Mm -hmm. and so with that being said um what would you what do you think needs to change because it should be exactly what you experience and it shouldn't be a place where people feel hurt and are dealing with a lot of things I hear a lot of people talk about church hurt and I know it's a real thing but it seems like to an extent it's being dismissed um feelings are not validated. So what would you suggest should be done or might help this situation so that people can see the kind of church you went to and experience the love and support that you got during that time? Yeah. Well, I I wouldn't say I'm an expert. And I will also say that, you know, this was many, many moons ago. And I think the church was in a very different state um, during that season. 
I think we've commercialized church. I think we have created youth groups and, and youth opportunities more around um, the event than we have around the relationships. Um, I think there is a, can be a celebrity complex with pastors and youth leaders, you know, um, that makes them unapproachable and unreachable. And, you know, I, I think that's part, I think those are two pieces of it that make it difficult. Um, you know, and we have built a level of intimacy on social media platforms and the internet that has also made it very complicated and very difficult to build that level of trust and safety for people, um, especially with this generation, this, this up and rising generation. I didn't have those battles, you know, when right. I was 15. Um, social media wasn't even a concept, you know, when no. I was in high school. Same you know. <laughs> right. So all of a sudden we're, we're trying to, to build a level of, you know, vulnerability and transparency um, when our whole culture is living on a screen. So, um, and again, through an experience of how can we attract youth through, you know, the, the lights and the bands and the songs we sing and all of those things we're really missing is this relational connection that provides safety and belonging and love. Um, and I, part of, for me was, um, was really being included in, in everyday life you know, and being invited into people's homes and their kids and, 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 and still, even as a single adult, having had a, a church that did community super, super well, um, was that, that component of it was you can't have intimacy without having some safety net of transparency. Yeah. And we don't do that just through passing by on a Sunday. Um, I know there was a season where I had to be intentional and be consistent with my um, continually showing up, you know, for young adult ministry or small groups or, you know, women's events or whatever, in order to start to build those relationships. And so I think, um, you know, I think one thing is, is we need to value the love, the, the concept of pursuit and, and not just assume that people are going to pursue me or that I need to pursue them. I think we need to put a lot of emphasis on on who is pursuing, and sometimes as adults and in in reaching the next generation, is we have to be the ones that are taking that first step to pursue them and inviting them in. Not, I'm not saying invite them into your next big worship night. I'm saying invite them into your home, invite them, you know, to your kids' soccer game with you to hang out, you know, invite them over for a game night at your house. You know, it's, it's, it's around the table. It's in those intimate moments with family that, that, um, you know, this generation is craving authenticity. And a lot of these kids are not getting it at home. Yeah. They're not getting it through their parents. They're not getting it through a screen. They go home and they numb out. Right. And they isolate in their rooms and we're not doing enough of, of that level of intimacy and authenticity around the table um, and inviting them, like I said, into those, in those intimate family moments right and i think too i think we're quick to really judge them on the rules that they're breaking or judging them on the the ways that they're doing it wrong you know or the the clothes that they're wearing and and the the, the verbiage that they're using um and none of those were, were prerequisites for coming to christ exactly none of those facades were prerequisite for coming to know jesus okay so you think you're this 
Jesus still loves you and wants a relationship with you. Yeah. You think that you're this, Jesus still loves you and wants a relationship with you. You think that, you know, you can and say those things. Well, Jesus still loves you and wants a relationship with you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we've created because of that environment of, of youth and young adult events, you know, and all the hoopla and all the things is, you know, you have to clean yourself up before you can come, right. you know, or we have to make it cool enough and relevant enough for you to come. And none of that is true. I agree. I love that because it's so true because people, everything you said, people do think they have to make things exciting and hype things up so that they can get the, Mm -hmm. and I just think, like you said, it is about having a relationship with them because a relationship goes a long way. Having rapport with someone goes a long way and you can't Mm -hmm. get it by just entertaining and putting on shows and doing all kinds of stuff. You have to actually get to know the person. And like you said, letting them know that God still loves them regardless of what they're yeah. doing. So I yeah. like that. Cause I feel that's what the thing, that's what it is. That's the problem. I think with church, I think it's become a place that is so legalistic and it's like, you have to be this perfect Christian before you can come. But the point is, if we could be perfect Christians on our own, then we wouldn't need God. <laughs> we need right. him. So clearly we can't do this by ourselves. And I think it just misses the point. So I think everything you said is on topic. That is exactly yeah. what I think needs to change. Absolutely. So I know you mentioned earlier about you found a relationship with God when you were, we were going through the divorce and when you were younger. So tell me a little bit about the experience of you finding God. Like how did you realize at that young age that, oh, it's about having a relationship with God, what made you see that? Because that's a big concept for a child to see. So I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I mentioned, I came to know the Lord when I was eight. And we were, we were at a church, you know, going on Sundays, uh, again, not super known, and nor did we know a whole lot of people. But uh, it was the first age that I got my first Bible. And it was um, the first time I, I had expressed a conflict with a friend to God and that I wanted to reconcile with this friend when I was eight and I just and and here's the thing nobody taught me how to pray nobody taught me how to pray nobody taught me how to read the bible you know at that age um I think I think we've all been given an an, uh internal ear to hear the voice of God Mm -hmm. he created us He knew us when we were formed in our mother's womb. You better believe that he probably deposited himself within us as well. Yeah. And so I did. I prayed that prayer that my friend who was mad at me, and I don't even remember what it was about, that our relationship would, would, you know, it would be mended. It would be healed. And I remember where I was, where I was sitting in the pew of this big auditorium uh, at a regular service. And I just prayed this little prayer as this eight-year-old little girl. And the next Monday at school, she ran up to me in the hallway like nothing had happened. And I remember just in that moment, I can I can remember where and when because it was the first time that God had made Himself known to me. So that really spurred me on, and I think it was even a, a prerequisite. I think it was God's kindness to even set me up with that encounter with Him, knowing that in two years, my parents or three years, my parents were going to be separated. Right that we were going to move out of the state, leave all the friends that I knew, move into this new state. And a year later, they would separate. 
And I think that was really what's what what I knew then at eight years old was going to be the thing that I clung unto at 11. God, I need you to make yourself known again. I need you to be faithful again. And we were, again, we were thrown into church. So Sunday school, and, and I, I was asked to sing on the worship team and asked to sing, you know, Easter solos and all of those things. And um, that church really helped care for us in that season when my parents were going through that. And so all of those markers were just expressions of not only God seeing me, but God loving me. Yeah. And it wasn't because I was reading my Bible. It wasn't because I was praying all the things. It wasn't because I was checking off all the boxes. I didn't know how to do that. Right. Nobody told me or taught me how to do that. And I think that's a lie of the enemy that for God to be faithful to us or for, for God to move in power on our behalf, it's pharisaical life right? If I pray the right prayers, if I do the right things, if I show up at the right times, then, then, then God will move. And I was just having a conversation with this about a girl that I mentored the other day, you know, that if you're doing all of those things in order for you to get something from God, that's called manipulation. Yes. I love that. And we can't manipulate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Exactly. that by checking off the boxes and, and performing, you know, because in some faith, that's what you're taught. Yeah. But in the Christian faith, then God wouldn't have had to come because we would have never have been good enough. Right. That's so true. And that was really, I think, what started this level of intimacy. Were there spiritual practices and disciplines that I needed to learn and to grow in in order for my relationship to continue to be cultivated? Yes. Were there mentors and leaders and pastors that I needed to um, glean from and, and receive biblical wisdom? a thousand percent but none of those were prerequisites or or even um you know necessary for me to experience and encounter the love of god right and i think that is really what now looking back you know are some of those things that i have learned you know going on on my first mission trip at 15 as a freshman in high Mm -hmm. school And my last day, I'm I'm weeping like a baby because I had seen God in the faces of these poor indigenous people in in Mexico, knowing that something was ignited in me. And guess what? I I didn't read all the things and do all the things in order to experience the love of God through these broken and poor people. Something moved in my heart that I can only explain was supernatural. You know, that it was his Holy Spirit that really moved upon me to see him more clearly in the faces of these people who had joy and peace and love and grace and yet had nothing materialized, you know. So all of these experiences on all of these things were things that, that, that God revealed himself and made himself known to me. And my my expression of my love back was to want to know him more. So then I read, I want to devour and and hunger for more of his word and, and be in prayer and develop that level of intimacy with him because I've, I've seen his love on display. Mm -hmm. He's made himself known to me. He's been faithful to me. And so now my response is to be in his word, to be in prayer, to be in worship, to be in community, you know, to live sacrificially for him every day to become more like him right to behold him and to become more like him because what i have seen and what i have encountered 
I now need to freely give it away. Mm-hmm. I can't just be a consumer and like consume all the things. Now I need to go and give it away. And for me to do that well, right? If I need to love people well, I can't do it in my flesh. That's so true. You know, I need to learn the supernatural love of God and I need to understand what it means. And I need to understand how he expressed it and how he showed it and how he told people about it right through signs and wonders and all of those things and so that was really um how and and how the lord really took me on that journey of covering more um of who he was in that season i totally get that because it is different when you do things because you love god and you're not doing things because you want something from him it makes things different and i think Mm -hmm. that a lot of people when they hear about okay because i tell everyone i'm not a religious person I don't consider myself to have any religion but I do have a relationship with God and I tell people all the time because I know people are just like well if you don't have religion then what's going to be your boundaries or what's going to be this and what's stopping you from doing whatever you want and I'm just like guys you don't understand because if you have a relationship with God and you love him and you do things mm-hmm. out of love then you're not going to want to do all those things that you shouldn't do anyway because you don't you love God and you know that if this is your friend you want to do things that make your friend happy. And if you know this is not going to make God happy, <laughs> you're just mm-hmm. not going to do those things. But mm-hmm. it's just a whole different dynamic when it's because you love God rather than I don't want to go to hell. Because <laughs> that is right. totally different. Yeah, Right. It's not a meal ticket into heaven. It's not an insurance policy. Exactly. Right? It's, and yeah, I absolutely understand that. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. Let's mm-hmm. say there's someone out there actively looking for God. What advice would you give them? Ask him. Ask him to make himself known to you. I think that's, I don't want to make it complicated for you, friend, if you're listening to this, right? You don't need to get in church to find God. You don't need to get in community to get healed. Not that those aren't helpful and, and valuable components of it, Um, but I think we've gotten in our mind that in order for God to move on me, that I have to position myself in a certain place. And that's not true. Uh, God, and you saw this in the ministry of Jesus, right? A lot of his ministry was done in homes or in the middle of the street, you know, that it was in these private and even secret encounters with him where he revealed himself, where he did a, a miracle of healing and freedom. And you know, for, for, for girls that I mentor, you know, who think that they need to be in a revival service or a church service in order for God to move or, or, you know, that they want more of the Holy spirit, you know, that they need to pray with me in order to receive it. And that's not true that you can be in the middle of your bedroom or your bathroom or your kitchen, and you can cry out to the Lord. It's what his word says that we cry out, Abba father, and he hears his kids. So if you are seeking God, ask him to reveal himself to you. Cry out for him, right? Yeah. Cry out for him and and allow your faith to move in in a level of expectancy where he's going to meet you. And it may not be how you want. It may not be on your time clock. We don't serve the God who serves within the 24 hour period. Right? right he is outside of time and he is he knows our needs far beyond whatever we could think ask or imagine and he knows us better than we know ourselves so true. 
And I think those are components, you know, that we have built a filter on of, of who he is and how he moves and why he moves. And we need to take off the blinders. And we just need to simply ask him, Lord, I need you to make yourself known to me. Whether that's in a dream, a vision, a, a stranger at the grocery store, you know, or is you going to church? It doesn't matter. He's outside of time. He is outside of context. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Just ask him and just come to him. That's it. I love that. Just ask him and come to him. That is amazing. Well, Winter, thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. It was amazing to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I absolutely love this interview. My favorite part of the interview is when Winter talks about how the church was there for her and her family during a time of devastation and uncertainty. It was awesome to hear how her family was able to rely on the church because so many times you hear horror stories about how the church has single-handedly destroyed the lives of individuals. But to hear about Winter's positive experience in church was like breathing in a breath of fresh air. I also love how Winter and I were able to talk about how it's not about doing all the things, but it's about having a relationship with God. If you find yourself not doing all the things that you feel you need to do, that is okay. God is not interested in what you are doing or what you're not doing. God loves you and he wants you to know that he loves you. He loves you. He loves your heart. He wants to be your friend, your confidant, and your father. So I encourage you to take some time this week to talk to him and get to know him for who he is. Don't worry about what you're not doing or what you are doing. God's not concerned about that. He's concerned about you. So take some time this week to get to know him for who he is and for who he is to you. The song that we're going to listen to this week is from our artist of the week, Josh Snyder, and we are going to listen to his single, Hearts Cry.
from your guiding hand, green pastures and water some days. this wandering heart to thee because I'm just so prone to wonder Lord I feel it prone to leave the God I love here's my heart Lord take and seal it seal it for the courts Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story about how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I would also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with Winter, Josh, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes, and all you have to do is click on the links below, and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest, and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview with me. If you would like to submit music for the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.